Welcome to the Alabaster Bible, an anthology short fiction podcast focused on gothic horror and magical realism. Please be warned that this podcast may address themes that are unsettling or triggering to some listeners. Content warnings will be provided before each episode, and listener discretion is advised. Today's episode is The Art of Escapism. This episode contains content warnings for descriptions of mental health and mental illness, allusions to gender dysphoria, and references to domestic violence. If any of these subjects are triggers for you, please listen with caution. I now invite you to come in, make yourself at home, and listen to the tales of the Alabaster Bible. The sound of the broken glass crunching under her boots echoed in the dim hollow of the foyer, reverberating off the crumbling masonry. Queen's Garden, this place had once been called, the largest asylum in the United States of America. Ten thousand souls had once called this place home, now only ten thousand ghosts. The echoes of the ones who had once lived and worked in this place. They were all gone now. The once grand gothic buildings now left to fester and decay. Jane hadn't come here for ghosts. The idea of the haunted held little appeal for her. But even still, she could feel their presence around her. Not necessarily the dead, but the no longer there. The faint, fading echoes of what once was. She raised her camera to her eye. This was why she'd come here to document this frozen moment in time before it faded, eventually leaving nothing. The shot taken, Jane walked further into the massive building that had once housed a thousand patients, the main block. Even through the respirator, she could faintly make out the wet, mildew smell of the rotting masonry that tried desperately to hold the stonework together. For now, it was still safe to explore the block, But she knew that in another decade, or maybe two or three, the bonds that held the stones would weaken and crumble. This once great titan would inevitably fall. Jane walked to the end of the foyer to the worn staircase that led to the upper floors of the building. She blinked. The sound of the morning birds drifted in through the windows of the back staircase that led down to the dining hall. Behind her, Jane could hear the voice of the orderly telling the patients to move along. Breakfast wasn't going to be there forever. She put a hand up and felt only the smooth contours of her face. They'd let her use the safety razor that morning. But her respirator was gone. Not that it mattered, because the air of rot had been replaced with the too clean scent of industrial cleaning products. Her slippers free of any laces or cords that could be used to hang herself, padded on the staircase. The further she got, the more she sensed that there was something deeply, fundamentally wrong. Where was her camera, her boots? Why were all her clothes different? The block didn't look like this, and she had no memory of how she'd come to this place. It was the easiest way to get help, but she didn't believe that. 
If only she was willing to tell them. She wasn't sure yet. Wasn't sure who she was. Routine was important. Consistency that kept the patients at ease. Routine breakfast. Flavorless eggs and sugar-free jello knockoff. Same as yesterday. Jane shuffled back up the stairs to the ward. Back to the room she shared with a man who never stopped talking about how he was going back into rehab any day now. She paged through her beaten copy of Twilight, a book she didn't especially care for, but was able to at least comprehend. And she waited. Waited for the next marker of time in her day to appear. Closed her eyes and drifted. Jane climbed the tree next to the walkway that connected one of the smaller wards of Queen's Garden to the building that had once housed the kitchens. She slid in through the metal grid that had once been a window, long since smashed and fallen away. They were serving sugar-free jello knockoff in the cafeteria down the hall, but they hadn't served anything in that cafeteria in a long time. The early morning light shone cold through the weather-worn holes in the ceiling. It highlighted the moss and algae that had begun to grow along the brickwork, thriving in the moisture that seeped in whenever it rained. Rust lay over the kitchen implements that had been left abandoned when Queen's Garden closed. Slowly, steadily, the dripping of water coming from the roof, the reservoir left by the last rainfall seeping into the cracks and dripping down onto the metal surfaces of the kitchen implements, onto the cracked vinyl of an old chair sitting in the cold sunlight beneath an opening in the roof. Drip. 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 Jean opened her eyes and saw the face of the counselor looking at her with furrowed brows. He shook his head. Are you dissociating again? He asked her, his voice surprisingly condescending for someone who was supposedly helping others without judgment. It's okay, Jane. Jane blinked thickly and shook her head. She wanted to respond, to let this man know that he had it wrong. But something pushed on the back of her mind. Her heart was racing. I get it. You want to be the family. That's important. Jane blinked again. This was wrong. Why was this man talking to her like this? She shook her head and the counselor smiled. He was all bright white teeth against pale, stretched out skin. He looked like someone had taken a skull and wrapped it in bleached leather. It's almost time for visitors. Your wife will be here. Jane's blood ran cold and her breath caught in her lungs. She wanted to go back to her room, even to listen to the man talking about going to rehab, even to go back and read her banal paperback and stare out into the distance until depression picked her up and set her down in the land of dreamless sleep once again. She couldn't say anything. The man smiled. She needed to move carefully. The floor had almost given way. Abandoned for half a century, the building was little more than the outer shell, framing a collapsed wooden floor that had given up the fight against the elements. Jane crept slowly along the outer edge where the supports were still at least somewhat intact. The boards beneath her feet creaked 
and groaned as she picked her way one step at a time along the side. At one end of the floor, there was a fireplace, the solid stone still bearing up against the ravages of time. Jane sat on the hearth, sending a cloud of dust and dirt into the air. The wild had come back to claim this place. Trees grew along the perimeter of what had once been a patient dormitory, and shrubs and grass sprouted among the foundation. The green was almost oppressive. It muted the sense of artificiality created by the building and gave everything a surreal appearance. It was peaceful here. The sounds of the summertime birds and insects hummed softly, and the noise of the modern world ceased to exist. Once upon a time, the patients here had been assigned to work the land. They had grown crops to feed themselves and the staff. The theory had gone that the hard work would help in their recovery. Jane wiped away the sweat that was forming on her brow and stood up, slinging her camera across her body. It's important to who we are. He was saying it again. Jane shook her head to try to clear it, because this was wrong. He was talking to her like she wasn't even there, like he was looking at her, but really, he was seeing right through her. It wouldn't work to say anything. He'd already made up his mind. Jane knew how men like him were. He knew how to heal the world, and nothing anyone said nor did would convince him otherwise. Jane let her thoughts soar and wander and take her to another place, to another time. She wasn't free now, didn't feel like she'd ever be free. There was so much weighing her down. You understand why? The man was speaking to her again. She shook her head. She didn't. Do you understand why it has to be this way? Why you have to be here? She didn't understand. But she didn't think the man did either. Jane skipped the group session that day and went back to her room. The roommate with the rehab stories wasn't there. Jane went into the bathroom, shut the door, and sat down on the toilet. She began to cry, wet, heavy sobs that shook her as they left her throat. She was trapped in this place, not just inside the ward, but inside this moment in time, inside a wind that wouldn't let her go. Jane stood up and looked in the mirror, a flat piece of polished metal designed to prevent the patients from hurting themselves. She was looking into the past, had a version of herself that wasn't herself yet, an image that was warped and distorted in a way that had nothing to do with the mirror. The man who kept talking to her wouldn't listen. He had the same nonsensical platitudes about being a man to say again and again. Because he wouldn't listen. He didn't understand that she was trapped, and no amount of clever-sounding sayings would help. Maybe this place gave her a brief respite from one hell, but it only served to trap her in another. The hallway led to a series of multicolored walls. On those walls were painted all manner of strange things. Cartoon characters with peeling faces and forever grins that danced along the molded paint. Children had played here once, or at least tried to. Once you were trapped in the mirror, there was no way to leave again. You were doomed to forever wander in that haunted world. Cut off from the rest of your life. Cut off from the very sense of who you had once been. 
or who you really were. There was a creak from deeper inside the building, but nothing was there because she was alone within this place. Group therapy didn't help. She wasn't here because she needed help with something the counselor could provide. She was here because she needed sanctuary. Needed a respite from the woman who stalked her every waking moment. The one who lurked behind, always ready with a quick belt or a fist. They let her walk right in the door. Because Jane didn't say anything. Because she was afraid. And when the woman greeted her, she smiled and said that she was so glad to see Jane. And she couldn't wait until she would be home again. But it wasn't home. It was another place in time to be trapped. A corner of the universe from which she couldn't escape. A fixed location in both time and space that would hold her, unable to move, unable to leave, unable to live. Visiting hours lasted for too long, and then she stumbled back to her room, drained from the day's events. No group therapy. She couldn't do another session no matter what the man who spoke about men thought or said. The man who spoke about alcohol was there instead, and she sat and half listened to him. Then she went back to the bathroom to cry some more, because at least crying was an escape. She saw the not-her in the mirror again and wished desperately that she had a way out. Flight. That was the theme of the mural in the atrium. One of the newest buildings in Queen's Garden, abandoned a mere ten years ago. Of all the buildings she'd seen, this one reminded her most of the ward. Another fixed moment in space and time. Flight. A soaring bird, an angel with wings outspread, lighting in the sky and blowing on a golden trumpet. A scene that might have been inspiring 15 years ago, when the colors were fresh and vibrant. Now those same colors had run dull with age, and the paint had begun to shed in large, vulgar coils and fall to the ground. Going inside the building had been difficult. Jane couldn't remember precisely how. She remembered scrambling up, desperately fighting to find perches before pulling herself upward. She knew it wouldn't help when she came here. Despite everything she told herself or told the therapist, she lied to the therapist, lied about her wife, mostly, about the source of the various bruises and marks on her body, about the reason why she would show up for sessions crying and shaking. In the fantasy she'd constructed, the ward made sense, a fixed point in space and time where she would be able to heal. She sat in what looked like a conference room. There was a terrible movie playing at low volume in the corner. Jerry Seinfeld was voicing a bee. Jane wasn't paying attention to the movie. She was concentrating on that singular moment she existed inside. The moment she would continue to exist inside. That was the day she first met the man who spoke about men. He'd come up and shaken her hand and called her by the wrong name. And he told her that it was important for someone to take care of himself in this day and age. Not just bars on these windows, but heavy security grating. The top floor of one of the newer buildings, less elegant even than the block. It was a place of pure utility, 
where those deemed to be a danger were taken. The ones who came in because the police had decided they weren't safe to exist within the world. The doors were ripped from their hinges, and anarchist graffiti covered the bars now. There was only one occupant left trapped here. Jane shivered in spite of the warm day. It was far colder here than it had any right to be. Getting inside had been easy enough, but she felt like getting out again was going to be difficult. All those bar grill covered windows that stood up even to the wearing of time and the violence of vandalism. She wanted to find the exit, to run outside and never return, but the exit continued to elude her. Every time she thought she had left, she was back in the ward. The speaking men were still there. Her wife was still there on the days when visitors were allowed. Everything was exactly the same, day after day. Her reading was never finished. The same dog-eared page marked her place, and it was always the same. The speaking men said the same things they always did. The mirror showed the same person again, and again, and again. The cottages were small. Once they might have been cozy, but now they only smelled of rank decay. The floorboards buckled and cracked, victims of the moisture that rolled in off the sound. The walls were relatively intact, but they showed the traces of mold running along them. The air was stale, the smell of decrepit age. Jane made her way upstairs, where the staff bedroom once housed a collection of beds for the on-site staff. It was pitch dark, the windows were long since boarded up. Turning on the small light she carried with her, Jane cautiously explored the bedroom. There were still a few old metal bed frames. One even contained the rotting corpse of a mattress long since forgotten. Jane heard a soft crunch under her foot and shone the light at the ground. The floor was littered with the skeletal remains of small birds. They had managed to find their way inside, but weren't able to figure out how to get back out again. One more day of the man who spoke about men, and Jane was going to lose her mind. She asked if she could be excused to go to the bathroom. The bathroom off the side of the ward's main hallway. The one with the real mirror in it behind the layer of safety glass. Jane stared into the mirror. The woman she wasn't yet stared back at her. The one that no one saw. The one that her wife tried so desperately to control. The one who'd fled to the ward out of a misguided sense of safety. The small bathroom in the first floor of the main block still had an intact mirror, which surprised Jane. Mostly they'd been destroyed by vandals, but this one was not only still in one piece, but remarkably untouched by the age and filth that permeated Queen's Garden. A clean plate of glass in the middle of a ruin. Jane stopped and looked into the mirror. The woman that she was looked back at her. Different hair, longer. Scars on the face now. Different eyes. Eyes that looked beyond the fixed points in time and space and into the void that existed beyond. Jane looked into the bathroom mirror in the ward and she could see through what was and right into what would be. Short hair and a face covered with bruises instead of scars. Eyes that saw only the pain inside that fixated on every singular moment purely out of a desire to survive. And for a moment, 
eyes that looked beyond and saw who she really was. In that singular moment, Jane knew that she would be able to leave this place in time. The ward would not hold her. The fixed point existed only for a moment. After that, the rest of her life. She wouldn't let the ghosts follow her forever. Her work done for the day, Jane walked out of the main block. She didn't know exactly why that old feeling had returned, the sense of being trapped. This place reminded her of where she'd finally lost her old self. And maybe that was what had drawn her here in the first place. This was the ruins of the ward, displaced by years and miles, but really still the same. The ruins of where she first realized who she was. They let her go the next morning. She was there voluntarily, and she hadn't told them enough to commit her. She left without saying goodbye to the man who spoke about men, or the man who spoke about alcohol, and walked out of the ward, still with miles to go. But she knew that she would endure the journey. It would be years still to go, but she'd seen the other side of the mirror. A clean plate of glass in the middle of a ruin. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me prattle on. We've not been introduced. My name is January, and I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. If you ever find yourself wanting to talk again, please stop by for a bit. I'm always glad for some company. Thank you for listening. This podcast wouldn't be possible without your support, and I want you to know that I appreciate each and every one of you. If you like our work, please leave a comment or review. You can follow us on Twitter at Alabaster Bible, or reach us by email at thealabasterbible at gmail.com. This podcast is written and produced by John Riley. Narration for this episode was provided by John Riley, and the theme song was composed by Funk McLovin. We hope to see you next time, and remember to watch yourself out there. You never know what's watching back.